this morning, uh, you know, this is the last uh, sermon in the series. So, you know, sometimes at a, as a, a baseball game, they'll bring a broom for kind of the, the sweep because they've won every game. And so I thought I'd do that, but I'm going to use it in a moment for kind of an illustration. We, we've been in a series of sermons entitled Distractions. And, and what we did is we started on Easter Sunday morning and we talked about, you know, hearing the heartbeat of God. And if you were here, uh, we had a, a drummer and, and beating on that box of just hit the heartbeat. But in our lives, there's so many distractions that come. And other drummers were there that day beginning beating on the drum. And, 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 and it's, it was harder to hear the heartbeat that we said represented Jesus's heartbeat. And realizing that the love of God for us gives us clear distinction to hear his will for our lives. That he has a good plan for us. You know, when we sang that song, you know, that uh, really it just says that he's going to come after us to show us how much he loves us. There's something about that that if Lisa referred to that movie, Taken, and as a father, I, I can, any other fathers here can relate to that of just, no, no, the enemy's not going to take my, my family. And, and to the love of God is like that for us. And when we, we talked about distractions, how Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, and, and as a farmer cast seed, some fell on the path, and the enemy was able, even though that the person that heard it was like that, you know, they were excited, when the enemy came, because it did not get down into the soil, it was taken away. The next was the stony ground again, because it didn't have much ground to, to give root to. When the persecution, because of the word, came, it was taken away. It wasn't productive. Um, the fourth soil was the good ground that all of us really desire to be that produces a crop 30, 60, even 100 fold more than what was planted. On that day, and, and kind of as a thread through this series, we've talked about the third ground, which was the thorny ground. And Jesus said that some seed fell among thorns and it grew up. I mean, it looked like at first, man, everything's going well and it's almost there. But the thorns choked it out. And it wasn't productive. It didn't produce. And the reason why, and he described the thorns is the reason why, and it was because of really distractions. The distractions were the worries of life. You know, maybe today you've got something that's going on in your life behind the scenes that's running, you know, kind of as a numb, you know, music, mm, just continually the worries of life. Sometimes the distractions can get us off the plan that God has for us. And, and, and it said not only the worries of life, but the deceitfulness of riches. You know, sometimes we have the destination disease, I call it. If I could only get over there, I'd be so much happier. Distractions. If I only had that car, if I only had that, I'd be happier. And, and, and there's something about the deceitfulness of riches. It's just so deceiving. If, if I just had more, I'd be happier. A distraction. And then the third one, Jesus kind of, well, I don't have a problem with those first two. So he kind of just drew the line and he said, another distraction is the desire for other things. Fill in the blank. And, and I know in my own life that I can be loving God and I can, but there's something about something coming into my life that gets my attention that, that seems so right at the time. I mean, come on, I can love God in this thing and, and I can love God in this thing and I can love this thing in God and I can really love that thing. 
Because the desire for that thing became greater than my love for God. And it's so quick. It's deceiving. This morning, I want us to, again, remember that we're, we're, we, we're swimming in a bigger revelation than what the world knows. You know, the world knows, get all you can and, you know, just, just build a bigger, bigger portfolio and just keep hoarding it over and over. But see, God gives us a better revelation, a bigger revelation, as I use the illustration of a, a goldfish that swims in a, just in a little uh, bowl, can only stay three or four inches, but if you put it in a lake, they say that some of them will grow even the size of a football because they're swimming in a bigger, bigger revelation or a bigger pond than that bowl. Now, again, as believers, as we give our hearts to God, I believe that as the word God says, that we're going to rule and reign with Christ throughout eternity. So here's the thing that I want you to get before we get really into the message this morning is when you read the word of God and you begin to look at it from a different perspective. You know, the kings and queens throughout history, when they had their children, you know, that were actually princesses and princes, that they began the royal treatment. You know what that is? That they began to train them in different things that would help them govern the country after they had left, as the child grew up. Like maybe some of the stronger countries, they would begin teaching this child that language to be able to communicate freely and clearly with the people that he was going to try in trade or maybe to keep them out of war. Um, they taught him all kinds of different uh, mathematics and, and literature and things to be well balanced in form of royalty to be able to govern that country better. I, I you know, by no means Gwen and I have the resources of maybe yet a king or queen, but we believe that as we raised our children, we began to give them the revelation of the word of God of what it was saying. And, and through that, they began to again not just get this hopelessness of saying, oh no, what are we going to do now? But to realize that our God loves us so much, again, the reckless love of loving us so much that he died for us, that we might spend eternity with him. Now listen, I'll just kind of do that to remind you that we're not going to sit on a cloud and play a harp throughout eternity. Boring, you know. I don't want that. But to be able to rule and reign with Christ throughout eternity, again, the Word of God gives us that wisdom to be able to look at our problems, our situation, our life differently than what the world does. This morning, as we are continually talking about being a follower, I'm going to be talking about today the balance of our financial lives. Now, again, if, if you say, because sometimes people will say, you know, Pastor, I think that that, you know, talking about money, it, it should be, you know, maybe just kept out of the church. Well, let me just tell you this, that you might not even be a believer, but if, if you've ever said that, but you've ever kind of, uh, you know, prayed that God would sell your house or, you know, give you a raise, you've already crossed that line. And so we're just going to dive into it today and believe that God has a purpose in our personal finances the two things I'm going to talk about today is having balance. And then I'm going to talk about our finances. But I'm going to talk about how both of them go together. Now this morning I got this kind of as an illustration. There's three laws of balance that operate. 
The first one is a reference point. The second one is constant correction. And the third one is a clear objective. The first one is a reference point. If, if you ever have tried it, I'm going to try this. Uh, uh, don't attempt this at home, okay? But if, if you've ever tried to balance something, you know, you begin to get a focal point. And for me, at this point, it's right here on the broom to try to keep focused on it. If you've ever been in a place where you've had to keep your balance or something, you know, and hopefully you've never been pulled over by the police and they draw that white line, they tell me, and, and you got to, if you ever have to put your hands up, you might as well get in the back seat with the Jim and Shepherd. You know, it's, it's not a good thing. But but to keep your balance, or, or to keep balance, you have to have a reference point. Have you ever seen cheerleaders? Huh? And you're going, because oh, they got a whole pyramid, and then they got two or three, and then they got one girl up there, and the guy's holding her with one. How in the world do they do that? They teach them to have a reference point out there that they focus on so that they can keep their balance. If you've ever heard somebody that's been on a ship that got sick, it's because they don't have a reference point. It's going up and down and all around. They say, just pick a point on the horizon and that gets your balance more and your equilibrium balanced out. Now, think about it with your, your uh, finances. To keep a reference point, we're going to tell you in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you that what the Word of God actually speaks over our life as the reference point that is going to keep balance in all of our financial life. That'll be a reason why you got dressed and came this morning. But the second thing is a constant correction. You know, as I, as I tried to balance this, and, and I practiced this morning, and I thought, oh yeah, this is so true, is when you're keeping something balanced, my hand keeps moving over and over because I have to continually correct to keep the balance. Some of you remember the first couple times you rode a bike and someone trained you. Didn't it, 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 wasn't it kind of funny how you had to constantly move to keep the balance on the seat or it would fall over? Now, some of us have ridden a bike or, or have been able to do that for years, and you do it almost unconsciously now. You just do it because it comes natural. But what you're doing is as your balance shifts, you're constantly correcting, and that's the same way with finances. As the resources that God has put in our hands, that we're constantly correcting those things that get out of balance. Uh, very important for us to constantly correct those things. That's what a, a financial manager will do. If we've hired somebody to help manage our resources, they're, they're constantly correcting as the market goes up and down. The, the third thing is the constant, I'm sorry, the clear objective. And, and really that is, what am I trying to do? You know, if I'm doing this, I'm trying to keep the broom up and not falling down. It's the same way in our finances. So many people will go through life and they'll never have an objective of the resources that God has actually put in their life. That they see the blessing that God has given them totally for them and not the biblical objective of being blessed in order to be a blessing. Now this morning, let me ask you a question see if you followed at this point. If, if I do not have a reference point on this, what happens? If I don't have a constant correction and my hand stays the same, what happens? If I don't know what I'm doing and trying to keep this up, what happens? It falls. 
What happens in our finances if you don't have balance? Trick question. Nothing. And that's exactly why we usually don't do anything about it. There's no immediate consequences for not being balanced in our finances. Now, now here's, here's another thought. Do you remember the whole, I'm going to call it the law of Pinocchio? You know, he, he, he told a lie and what happened? His nose grew. But what happened, did it happen over time? No, it happened immediately. So let me just ask you this. What if everything that we saw that was not biblical, our eyes began to grow? Some of us men would not open our eyes. We'd just be led around. What would happen if you heard something that was not good and your ears began to grow? Or your mouth, if you said something that was not good, your mouth began to grow. There would be an immediate consequence to doing it. You would stop doing it. And that's what we do in our lives all the time. If there's an immediate consequence, we put it as a priority. If there is no immediate consequence, it comes way down on the list. We'll take care of it later. You know, that's important, but not as important as something that's immediate right now. So this morning, I want to ask you, when it comes to our finances and, and we're managing resources for the kingdom of God, so many people say, why do I need to make a course correction in my finances when I'm so in debt? I can just go out and get a home equity loan and we'll just take care of it right now, right here. Which really is a nonsense answer because really you're just getting more in debt. You're just putting together it in a lump sum. So let me ask you this, or let me, let me inform you of what finances do. Finances follow a different law. And if you're taking notes, put this down. Finance follows the law of the harvest, not the law of Pinocchio. You'll remember it later. Have you ever thought that when we talk about the harvest and, and the, the sowing and reap principle, that two farmers can go out and one can plant a whole garden and the other one can go out and just kick around the dirt for the same amount of time or do nothing, not even go out? Now watch this. The, the one that planted will have no more results than the one that did nothing in a week's time. So there will be no immediate consequences to one farmer versus the other. They'll just say, it didn't work. The other one says, I'm glad I didn't spend all the time. If they didn't know the process. But we know in sowing and reaping, why do we sow? Because we're going to reap. And we're going to reap later. And then we're going to not only reap later, but we're hoping to reap greater than what we planted. Wouldn't it be kind of crazy to think that you'd go out and plant one corn seed? Think about this with me. If you had, you know, 50 corn seeds, kernels of corn, and you went out and you, you planted 50 in a row, and after three months you got so excited because it was harvest day, and you went out there and it had one kernel on each one of them. Well, we're going to eat good tonight. But you wouldn't put all the work in it. And that's not the harvest. That's not the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest is that you're going to reap today, but you're going to 
get a or sow today, but you're going to reap later, and it's going to be greater than the amount. One seed in corn produces a whole ear of corn that comes back to you. Now, the second thing I know about finances is it's not fair. If you've ever been driving down the road and you yelled, it's not fair, you might have been caught saying it, kicking a hole in the wall or, or you know, getting mad. It's, a, it's not, finances aren't fair. Why is it not fair? And you know what I mean. You might get a call from your wife that the water heater went out. How much is that? 15, 1,500. I don't want the one with gold plated. I just want the regular water heater. It's not fair. You think I'm exaggerating? I got that call. Somebody might call you and say, your taxes are this amount of money. It's not fair. And see, so many times in our life, we think that we want fairness, which really has never been something that we want. We think that everybody ought to be given the same amount of money to be able... Let me tell you, life isn't fair. The, the richer can get richer. And sometimes the poor can get more poor. It isn't amount of even working harder means more. I wish it did, but you can work harder, maybe even smarter, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be fair return. Years ago, and it happens occasionally in history, where there's a government that will establish themselves and say, okay, we're going to have fairness for all the population in our country. It happened in Marx. It also happened in Mao in China, where everything's going to be fair. And what we find out is the people that live in those communities or those countries might initially think, that's exactly what everybody needs. And then they realize that they don't want it. And most of the time, it's for the fact that fairness means that someone else takes responsibility for my well-being. But really what you and I want is we want opportunity, which means in order to have opportunity in our lives that we have to be well balanced. And what that means is that we have to take responsibility for our own finances and the management of those resources. But it takes work in managing those resources and it's very hard. Let me tell you something else. The second point is being out of balance financially. Now watch this. Does not necessarily create financial problems. See, that's a what? And initially you think, well, it really hasn't caused any financial problems. and I'm good to go. I'm still doing it. But here's what I do know. And and really, if you're honest, you'll, you'll know this too. And you'll say it too. Is that it might not create financial problems. But it will always create more stress in your life. That goes with your family, your children, your marriage, even the way that you look at your job. Being out of balance, it, it, it creates an improper value system at home. When, when you're talking to your children and, and you're just unbalanced in your finances and, and the things that you're teaching them, something that will lead to more than not, and you can read on it all the time, especially in our country, that it creates in the child a, mi- a mind of entitlement. I have a right to have a brand new car. I have a right to have a cell phone. I have a right. Until one day they meet Mr. Reality. And that is not true. 
But the parent that begins to say, you know what, God has given us this resource or these resources and becomes balanced in their teaching of their child, it's amazing how that communication to that child begins to see and that child begins to relate how God has given them the resources and they become balanced in what comes in versus what goes out. And all of a sudden that child is set up for success and how they view the world that they're going to be able to live in. It's very important to understand that. When it comes to couples, they're arguing over the lifestyle that they live, and it's always something that there's never enough. If you've ever argued with your wife or your husband that, you know, what, what you need more money? Well, what did you do with what I... You know, and the family goes into all this turmoil. It's because it was out of balance. Sometimes you'll, you'll see it in a marriage where the, the wife wants a bigger house, where the husband wants to retire sooner and the, the stress becomes greater or, or the consumer debt just to charge, 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 charge until the credit card is so big. And, and those people sometimes will even complain about our national debt when really at home they're doing the same thing. Now, now this morning, again, this is not a discouraging message. This is a message out of the Word of God that brings enlightenment to the believer that says, wait just a minute. If I follow the pattern of the world, they don't even care about balance or unbalance. But for the believer, we're going to realize that there is something in being balanced gives glory to God. Let me tell you that unbalanced finances all the time will become habit creating, or let me say this, will create habits in this stage of your life that you'll pay for later in another stage of life. Has anybody been there? Huh? I'll just raise my hand. If you're not careful in what you're doing today, you're going to reap what you're doing tomorrow. Balance in your finances is so important. An unbalanced financial situation in your life makes it easy to hoard and it's harder to give. What, I, what I've seen in, that I fight in my life, again, is the worries of the life, the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things, is, is the fact that if I go through my life, and, and a lot of times as a younger couple, you, you don't have what you do as you get older, and then and, and maybe not. Maybe you have more when you're younger than when you're older. But what happens if you're not careful, if you're not balanced, you'll begin to go, you know what, I, I, I need all of this. this. No, 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 all of it. It's mine. And so many times it goes back to that illustration of the French fries, you know, where the dad buys the son French fries and then the dad tries to get one. He says, hey, 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 this is mine. This week... My oldest son, Luke, bought some cookies and he did the same thing. And he said, these aren't French fries. They're Chick-fil-A cookies. <laughs> he was giving me a hard time about that, but he knows. If you're hoarding, you have the mindset that what is in your hands belongs to you. And we forget that God is the one that has given us the ability to gain wealth in the first place. Now, this morning... Again, if our point of reference begins to shift or we quit making adjustments or we lose sight of a clear objective, we become unbalanced. 
In a, just a few seconds, I want to show you a video. But, but this morning, let me give you the third point. Imbalance financially is an addiction that things are out of balance spiritually in our lives. When you're unbalanced or imbalanced in your finances, there's more than enough times to show you, you can, you can see that you'll become imbalanced in your spiritual or your devotion to God. That when you see things that are in need of doing around the world that we live in, and as the believer that we believe that we've been here for a reason and a purpose, not just for ourselves and our, you know, only ourselves, we have to fight that it's not all about me. That to realize that God has blessed us for a reason, when we begin to be unbalanced, though, again, that's mine. And we begin to look at things like, why do we even give? Well, watch this video. There's something that goes on with giving that is almost unexplained. I can't explain it unless you do it. And when you do it, you realize how important it is for the believer to do. Now, let me say it again. An imbalance financially is an indication that things are out of balance spiritually. God says there's a, a, a relationship between the way that you handle your money and the devotion to God. Do you realize that Jesus had so much to say about money and, and managing and stewardship. I, I said it the first week that we talked on this, that it, he says more about uh, money than heaven and hell. And when he talks about the subject of money, he talks more about managing it than even giving it. Now, the reason why is because I believe that in managing it, it frees you up to be able to be a giver. If you're in so much debt and you, you haven't managed it right, your brain will come up with a hundred excuses, and a lot of them are pretty good, why you can't be a giver. Well, I've got all these things, and that's exactly what the uh, religious people of Jesus' time were doing. They were not taking care of their, their uh, 
elderly parents because they said, well, you know, we've got all these other restrictions. And even if they're godly restrictions on us, we're doing those instead. And Jesus was saying, you're missing it. Now, again, if there's a relationship between money and the condition of our heart, we should be able to find it in the word of God. And it's a passage of scripture that probably a lot of us will already have, yeah, of course. So I want you to look in your Bibles, and if you haven't, look on the screen, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And Jesus says the famous words, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, now can you imagine 2,000 years ago, the revelation that he just blew right on him? Boom! There it is. Listen to it again. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As your money goes, your heart goes. And and what Jesus is saying is, I don't want you to get so locked up in all the the possessions and the good stuff, even if it's good stuff or bad stuff. I don't want you to get caught up in that stuff. Your treasure. What you're considering is a treasure. Have you ever been involved with somebody in your life that thought more about their stuff than people? Huh? Hey, have you ever got to the place where, you know, maybe some of the guys, you know, you, man, you got a brand new gun and you think, you know, you go in and the financial manager says, you know, yeah, your baby needs some food and well, you're not selling my gun. Maybe you've been, you know, dated somebody and you got into his car and he said, well, easy, easy, clean your feet before you get in, you know, you go, aha, I get it. You like me, but you love your car. There's something about stuff that can get a hold of us. So much that we begin to put our whole focus on our treasure and we don't even realize that our focus, our heart is right there with it. Jesus is saying you can't have total access or I can't have total access to your heart until I have total access to your treasure. Until you allow me and trust me with what you have, everything, 401k, savings plan, everything. And and remember this, that God says, what is so hard? I can't even wear that. I, I, I don't even need that. You should see my home. But the thought is that when we trust him with what we've got again it's his love for us that has set up a system of operating that we keep him first in our life and the distractions of life don't get our attention which gives us a different focus and a different destination than what he has for us and what he's planned for us that's such a big revelation to realize that luke chapter 16 verse 13 this is a passage that probably brought a lot of people to go do what watch this Do we have that one? Yeah, got to be kidding me. All right, let me read it to you. It says this in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. That's, that's pretty strong, isn't it? You'll love and hate one and hate or love the other. Or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, now that's pretty much in your face. And a lot of times a believer would go, wait just a minute. I thought it was, I thought it was something to do with God and Satan. When did money get involved in this? And again, I think that a lot of times the enemy uses money in our life 
Satan uses money in our life to keep us distracted away from the love of God. But Jesus is saying, there's something about, if you follow me, listen, I don't want your stuff. I just don't want your stuff getting you. And we see that and we think, well, I, I don't know, God. Maybe I want my stuff to get me. But in a way, if you'll think of it this way, is the love of God, just like we sang again with that song, Reckless Love, that he's coming to get us, to rescue us. Instead of a God that says, no fun, no extravagant living. I don't want your kid to go to college. I want you to live on just rice and beans. Which the world has a mindset that that's what God wants for us. And that's exactly opposite of what my God wants for me. And God says he wants for you. You know, before I go on, let me just say this. If you get to a place where you think God and money is kind of like God and politics, what I can tell about you is that you're doing okay financially. But the day that you'll have a setback, some kind of turn in your finances, you'll make finances a prayer request. You'll say, God, help me! Because I need you in the middle of my middle where I'm hurting the most. And God, before you were even born, put a plan in advance so that we would not allow the finances to put a part in our life to serve them to become our master. So here's what I want you to do this week. This is the last point, and I want you to write this down, and I want you to do, and here's my asking of a favor for you. Help me help you. This message will bring life to you and change. You know, instead of just hearing a message and someone say, what did pastor preach on April 22nd? I have no idea. It was good probably, but you know. You know, sorry, I put that part in there. Yeah. But if you'll use your iPhones, your smartphones, and any kind of way to remind you of this. Now, again, this is what I want you to do for seven days. Are you ready for this? I want you to spy on your money. We've done this before in the, in the years previous, but I want you to do it again for the next seven days. I want you to spy on your money. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put in your phone, write it down, whatever you need to do. You know you got a memo pad and a lot of your cell phones. Just write in there because you're going to spy on the outgo of every dollar that leaves your hands, you say, well, I'm, I'm just a college kid or I, I'm just, I'm, I'm using my parents' money. Let me tell you this. They'll be more likely to loan you more money if you know where the other money they gave you went. But as an adult, if right now your, your income is coming in, you've got a job and you're, it, it works for you. And this is what I want you to do. Take your cell phone out, type in Starbucks. Four ninety five for a coffee, lucky mocky ticky talkie, you know, whatever it is. Put in your phone, you know, Krispy Kreme twenty three ninety nine, and then all the different expenses that you have for this week. 
And I want you to track your expenses of how, not, not talking about income, I just want you to realize that in being balanced, you have to know where you are right now. We know that because I've said this illustration before and I love when I got this revelation in my life that whatever gets your attention determines your direction. Your direction determines your destination. Not good intentions. You don't get on I-35 heading north and say, we're going to San Antonio and I'm going to be good and say, I'm going to, it's good intentions, but you're not going to get there. You're going the wrong way. It's the same illustration years ago that I used. If somebody called and said, I'd love to come to the chapel today, but I don't know how to get there. The next question would be, where are you? So I can give you directions. Now, if the response was, I have no idea where I'm at. I'm sorry, I can't help you. I'd have to say, can you tell me what's around? Could you drive around until you find out where you are? And then I can give you directions on how to get here. And it's the same way in our finances. It is knowing where you are, a turn of direction, and then time will get you on the right road or the right destination that God has for you in your life. Again, this is something as you're spying on your finances, you're doing it, you're saying, God, show me where I'm at. When Gwen and I do this occasionally, you're like, holy moly, I know where to cut. Because we become excessive in this area or this area. And we want to keep a clear objective of being balanced. And that constant correction keeps us on the right road. Now, again, when you read this passage of Scripture, those two passages that I read, there's something about a contrast in the culture that we live in. I want you to realize that God has spoken that over the believer's life, his children's life, in order to give you the freedom that really all of us want. Maybe we've been going at it a different direction than what we should be going. But God has spoken that over our lives so that again, it would bring us to the revelation that he has life, a good plan for us. And with all my heart, that's what I want for you. I want you to be in a place that you're, as the word of God says, you're able to be generous on every situation. God, every situation, maybe a few, but every situation. I love to go into a situation that I'm at a restaurant and I see a young John and Gwen Miller over there with a, a baby Luke in the high chair. And I'm thinking, they probably shouldn't even be eating out tonight. But she's probably had enough of baby Luke. I, I'm sorry, the baby that's there. <laughs> So I send Gwen over. She looks like she's a little bit more safe and doesn't want anything from them. And says, we just want to buy your meal tonight. And every time, you know what the response is? Nuh-uh. No way. Seriously? And man, it brings joy because we're in a financial situation in our life that we can do that. Are we millionaires? No, but we can spend 20 bucks at a restaurant. Or are able to bless a, a waitress or a waiter or be able to, to do things like that that people go, what's different? What do you have? 
That's what I want for us as believers, as children of God. Let's pray together today. You're such a sweet father. The God that you have loved for us in ways that, Father, sometimes that we're not conscious of. But God, through messages like this, we see over and over how, God, you have created systems. That, Father, that as we... God, that we're just practical Christians. We're practical believers. We're doing the things that you've asked us to do. That, Father, that we can reap the harvest of the consequences of doing your plan and not ours. Father, today I pray that if somebody's here that has never received you as Lord and Savior of your life, of their life, for their life, God, that they would do that, that they would make you number one in their life, they would repent of their sins and ask for forgiveness, and God, that you'd come into their life. But God, that we would realize that salvation is a beginning and not the end. That, Father, that the Word of God is so practical, it, it begins to speak in our life how to prosper in all areas of our life, not just our finances. Father, I know that that's what you want for us. And, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you glory. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Word that was, I love a practical message, something that we can live our lives by. Um, it's exciting to know that God has a plan for you to be resourceful. He wants your family whole. He wants your finances intact. He wants you prospering on, your, on the job in all that you do. That is his plan for our lives, for wholeness, uh, fullness in every area. He wants you strong. He wants you increasing. May the Lord bless you this week as he gives you practical ways to carry out what you heard in his word today. Um, I just want to welcome you if you're our first-time guest today. Um, if you didn't fill out that connection card, be sure and do that now. We have a gift for you at the back of the sanctuary. 